This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. You are listening to Shattered Soulstone, episode number 11, Knack and Cookies. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Diablo. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Shattered Soulstone is now found on Stitcher Radio. Go to stitcher.com slash soulstone. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R dot com slash soulstone. All one word. Register with the promo code SOULSTONE to be entered to win a $100 prize and you will automatically add Shattered Soulstone to your favorites when you install the app on your smartphone. That's stitcher.com slash soulstone. You have quite a treasure there in that Horodric cube. From the far reaches and burning depths of sanctuary comes... Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo podcast. It's beginning to feel like some great evil is permeating the air around here. Now, your hosts, Nevik, Breja, and Jen. Stay a while and listen. Welcome to episode 11. Oh, wait, oops, that's not my normal intro. Well, I'll explain later. Welcome to episode 11 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. It is Saturday, March 10th, and I am your host, Nevik, and I am joined by my two co-joeys in the proverbial Dawn Forge pouch. Brasia, how's your drink going? <laughs> Great. Just get a bejesus <laughs> out of me. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, no, I'm having a great time, um, other than not really getting much Diablo 3 beta playing because my computer is too old and a driver update doesn't like it, uh, but that's okay, I'm solving the problem getting a new computer so I can play Diablo and I can play everything I want, no problems from then on out. How was the game running before you did the driver update? Was it not running well at all? Oh no, it told me I couldn't play until I did a driver update. Oh, I see, I see. And then it was fine the first couple nights and then all of a sudden it just decided to not work anymore. And so no matter what game I played, frame rate drops down to like nothing after about 20 minutes. You sent me a DM, and I felt like it sounded like your problem was a memory leak issue, and it could still be a memory leak issue, but anyways, yeah. Oh, um, hey, yeah. Not a big deal. Yeah, Braze is talking about the beta. Hmm, I, I, I wonder what that's about. Jen, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing pretty good today. I was really sick for the last week, but I've gotten better, and I've been playing the beta quite a bit, and I started reading Legacy of Blood by Richard Nack. Hmm. hmm, Richard Knack. Hmm. Yeah, you, you know, guy. I think I think there might be an interview with somebody of that name that might be inserted at some point in this episode. I don't know. Hmm. It's possible. Just maybe. Yeah. But yes. So, as I alluded to, Brasia got into the beta, and so did I. Hey. <laughs> Thank you, complain. Metros. <laughs> Brazier, do you remember who he said over at Blizzard got us some keys? He never said that to me directly, who it was. But thank you anyways, Medros, and yes. anyone at Blizzard who has helped us out, we really appreciate it. I've been playing in the beta quite a lot. And, okay, everybody, sit down, brace yourselves. The Barbarian is awesome, okay? <gasps> oh, my oh, I God. know. 
I'm coming for you. you. What did you do with Nevik? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you think the Barbarian is awesome, and it really, truly must be. Yes. It was the first guy that I got to level 13 in the beta, so... Wow. Yeah, I'm actually enjoying the Barbarian, too. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It, it is. is. There's something so cool about, like, hitting, you know, a zombie and watching it fly across the room. <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the leap attack. Oh. Mm-hmm. Until I get teleport with the with the uh, wizard, you know, it's just so much more fun to do. Le- oh, anyways, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that explains why I opened the show as a barbarian. Because <laughs> you've been influenced now, huh? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Wizard, what's a wizard? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh man. Actually, you know what? Of uh, I played every single class all the way through. Killed mm-hmm. the skeleton king on everybody, and the one class that I really didn't like is the puke doctor. Oh, Aww. them a fighting word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not too fond of the witch doctor, and uh, sorry, Jen, I'm not too fond of the demon hunter either. Yeah, I figured you might not be. I like the firepower with the demon hunter, you know, and it just brings me back to playing the original Diablo, where I was playing the um, the rogue with the the bow shooting stuff and all that. I, I think that might be why I like it. Maybe some nostalgia there, but I gotta say that rapid fire spell. Oh my god, that is so awesome. <laughs> I don't know how you could not like that spell, you know. The wizard was supremely overpowered up until beta patch 14, where they uh, they moved the rune that made Arcane Orb into a huge Arcane Nova to level 32. And I understand that because it was it was ridiculous. It, I mean, it wasn't it was so ridiculous. It was redonkulous how overpowered the arcane orb became with that rune in it so i wasn't uh-huh. surprised to see it move to level 32 but yeah so yeah all of us are in the beta now how how cool is that That'd so i'm sorry lentonio the yeah. diablo 2 gaming nights may never ever happen again <laughs> yo but I'm the just diablo kidding. 3 might happen sooner yeah that's very soon and we're going to be very happy to have everyone on to play with yes and before i forget and go on with the rest of the show. I just wanted to throw a shout out to uh, a paladin out there on uh, the Cold Taras server named Rune. What was it? Runestone. Yes, yes, Runestone. He's enjoying the show, and we're very, very, very happy about that. Oh, that's thanks. awesome. Very cool. So, before we move on with the show, we have winners to announce for our Valentine's for Diablo contest. And this was hard to decide, too. There's a lot of really good stuff that got entered. Oh, there were fantastic ones out there. Mm-hmm. Y'all are real creative. Yeah, the top three, man, we, we had to fight over who was going to be number one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was tooth and nail. I mean, it was coming down to <laughs> where where, pe- where people were threatening to not do the show anymore. If, if uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have a good night, Nevik. I'm sorry, I take back my comment about the puke doctor. Oh, okay. (laughs) Before we go on to that, I just one one thing that I mentioned was uh, my son's been sneaking in some Diablo 3 time while I'm at work. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why when I get home the computer doesn't work anymore. But uh, he said he played the the monk up to level 10, and he loves it. So, you know, he wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah. See, that's the only one that I'm not so into, you know? I don't know what it is about the monk. I'm not that into it. Well, I love the monk. The monk is pretty cool. Not as cool as the barbarian, but, you know. 
Yeah. I don't know what it is. I think part of it was that spell where, I forgot the name of it, where the character moves really quickly to the enemy. Mm -hmm. I can't track it. It's like, and she's gone. I don't know where she is. She's somewhere in that mass of monsters, but I'm not sure which one is her. You know, once I got rid of that spell, it was a little better, but I don't know. I think I'm just more into like shooting stuff from a distance than Mm -hmm. hands on. But I did have a lot of fun with the barbarian. That I got to admit. Well, maybe they uh, they got their work done that they wanted with the class design because it seems like different people are latching to different classes based on play styles that they find that they really enjoy the most. And so, yeah. you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it when I actually have more time to see it. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, we got sidetracked there, but let's let's announce our winners. Exactly. We? Yeah. So, our number one winner, and I I have to say that this actually was a pretty difficult decision to make on mm-hmm. who was going to be the the top winner, but we decided to go with Row Wow with their tweet. I'm assuming more than likely it's going to be a guy. But I'm pretty know, sure. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yay, with the tweet, uh, Dearest Diablo, if I can wait 10 years to slay you, I can wait a few more days to learn when you'll return to me. Yours, Ro. <laughs> That's so very cool. <laughs> that is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brasia, why, why don't you why don't you read the number two winner? Well, um, like we were mentioning, number two, three, I mean, there's even a couple that didn't win, but they were very close. And number two, uh, Skolnik, who sent in, golly, this burns like hell. <laughs> that was awesome, too. Yeah, it's just... That was, it was so close. And Jen, who's number three? Number three is Sinweaver, who wrote, You run through my veins like Andariel's venom. Yes, yeah. Andariel's venom. That struck a chord with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are our winners. Congrats to everybody. Yeah, exactly. and since we ran this contest on Twitter, um, the winners, all you need to do, obviously Ro will have his choice of the three prizes, which was the music CD, the nightlight, or the calendar, and just DM us with your with what you want, and then Skolnik, you can DM us with your priority on the three, and then Sinweaver, and Unfortunately, you'll get what nobody else wanted, but or wanted three, less than still another nice thing. Pride, no matter which one. Yeah, but yeah, all but you three still prizes do get a are prize. so awesome. So, and for everyone else that didn't win, thank you so much for your submissions. They were fantastic and a lot of fun to read over. Yeah. Also, I should mention, um, give us your address too. That that way we know where to send your prize. I just realized, hey, we can't really send something to a Twitter address. I don't think the post office will understand what that is. No, I think they'll be very confused. So yeah, at some point, uh, let us know where you want this sent to. Yes. That'd be good. So, yes, we received some emails. And we received an email from our great, great friend, Curly Jen. Would you like to read that one? Sure, I can do that. Curly writes, Hey folks, so I wanted to state my feeling about the new talent structure. Prior to the patch, I was struggling with them, as the game seemed to not let me put what talent I wanted in the box that I wanted, which was annoying. After the patch, what they are trying to make happen seems to make a little more sense. If you notice, there are some talents that are resource generators, and others that are resource users. I think the goal is to keep you from using talents that are resource user-only talents. 
I also noticed that if you do run out of your class's resource, the attack goes back to the beginner default ability. Very, very cool. That's it for this email. Sorry it's so short, but I am back to work as of today, and I am tired as all heck. Thank you for the wonderful podcast. Love and hugs, Curly. Thanks. Before I respond to any of that, congratulations, Curly. I might be joining you with a new job shortly. Mm-hmm. Yay, Curly. <laughs> <laughs> it's always but, good news when someone gets a new job. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny that we uh, we read his email in our last episode, and then boom, patch 13 dropped, and... And we got that lovely UI, which is a pain in the butt to deal with. I think um, they slightly improved it in patch 14, where you can drag and drop on the actual bar. Yeah. You can't drag from the UI window down into your bar, which is hopefully something that they'll implement soon. Yeah, I was reading it that they'll consider that kind of a bug that they wanted to get fixed. Well, then that could be it. There's some other bugs that have been popping up, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they'll fix it, you know, before release. But yeah. Anyway, I'll I'll share a story about a bug later. <laughs> <laughs> New talent structure and everything—it's pretty interesting, especially with patch 14, how it changed everything. And it's not a slider puzzle anymore. Yes. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I greatly appreciate. Oh, definitely. Still needs at least another iteration on it to, you know, polish it up. But it's getting—it's getting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definite improvements. So, Brazia, we have an email from Amatos. Can you read that one? Absolutely. Hey, Amatos. He writes to us, Hello, Shattered Souls. Part of the fun of D2 was that you could make a dedicated character build, and there was a level of commitment to it. People would find recipes that made the game fun, challenging, and competitive. Now, with the new system, anyone can change their characters on the fly, making them a jack-of-all-trades rather than a master of build. I was looking forward to approaching character builds as though they are key that fits the game's completion lock instead. Well, there is no longer a weight of making decisions about inventory, upgrades, and whatnot that existed in Diablo 2 concerning runes. I have fun with the micromanagement aspect of the Diablo series, and it seems every new change to the game is cutting out more and more of the part that I love so much. Well, moving on... The whole PayPal thing is confusing to me. Blizz made a big deal about having a different way to put money onto your Battle.net account, but PayPal requires a credit or debit card in order to link your accounts. Uh, Defeating the point of PayPal, in my opinion, why do we need PayPal if we must go through the same hoops as any other payment option Blizzard offers us? In any event, this is a deal breaker for me. The good news is now that I will will be a hardcore player exclusively now that I won't be using the real money auction house. Amateurs. The whole PayPal thing, mm-hmm. before we go back and address everything else, the PayPal thing was brought out... They, Blizzard needed a partnership for the cash-out option, and the PayPal requirement of having a credit card or debit card, I, I guess that's just necessary in case... You know, you buy something through your own money auction house. It goes to your PayPal, say, if you don't have enough Blizzard bucks. And in order for PayPal to then, you know, fulfill that payment request, they need to charge you for it. So if you don't have enough in your PayPal account, then it just, you know, the entire thing fails. And who knows, maybe maybe that was something that needed to be addressed in order to prevent 
abuse of the system or whatever, you know? In case you got the item without the payment going through, I don't know. And the other thing with PayPal, they're pretty much the only system out there to use for that type of, you know, moving money around. They're it. There's really not another resource to go through. I think Amazon might have something, but um, PayPal is definitely the premier, or maybe not premier, but the more or less the only the only they're hooked up with a lot of things yeah Um, Mm yeah even though you know some of us have some reservations about paypal and their policies in regards to certain things Mm -hmm. especially charities but uh yeah i won't go in there yeah that's that's a different topic (laughs) i could go into another topic about what paypal's doing lately but i don't know that's appropriate for the show so let's just say some of their policies i think kind of what amatus is, is referring to is the fact that you know you can put money into the Blizzard balance or the Battle.net balance and made that Blizzard was talking about other ways of kind of building that up and being able to use that money through the Blizzard store or to pay for games or whatever else you want or cashing it out. Um, of course, I don't think he's uh, with the cash out, we know the only way to do it is PayPal. I think what, he's, what was Amateur's idea here is that he would be able to still find a different way to put money into the Battle.net balance. Like, and he thought maybe going through um, PayPal, you could use something other than a debit or credit card. But right. in order to collect money, they want to have something on file so that they can actually just go and collect the money from it if they need to. Right, yeah, so exactly. they don't default accounts and they don't have to go chasing people with creditors. I mean, collection. Right. Which is what Blizzard doesn't want to do anyways, and that's why they want PayPal. If this is like a system that you're not interested in, you like you don't want to put money into the Battle.net um, balance, so you don't want to have your credit card or any or your debit card on file, which I can understand because maybe Amatus is, is purchasing the game directly himself from a store and then loading it on, so he doesn't have to actually have a balance set up. Because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you look in the last year or so, what Sony Entertainment's been hacked how many times and and yeah, that's for sure. You know hundreds of thousands of people lost their credit well at least tens of thousands lost their credit card numbers through you know because of sony lack and he does maybe you know he may he might be one of those people that doesn't want to have that information out there to keep himself protected it's reasonable and i think maybe he was just hoping that paypal would let him you know send a check into them or something like that and rather than have it um you know credit card or debit card attached to the account and that's another thing, too, is there are players who don't have a credit card or debit card for whatever reason. I mean, some of them mm-hmm. are going to be too young, you know, <laughs> or maybe exactly. they're just starting out financially and they haven't gotten one yet or something. But um, not everybody is going to have a credit or debit card to be put through the PayPal thing. Good point. Diablo is going to be a mature rated game. So, yeah. well, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, and and alcohol is supposed to be bought by 21-year-olds, but, you know, it still happens. Well, you you can get a credit card as soon as you're 18. Right. (laughs) At least in the United States of America. See, that's the thing, though. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think maybe maybe it was also an issue where, like, Amatos was hoping that possibly he could cash out and just have it, like, linked to his savings account, because you can do that. You can have PayPal linked to your, your bank account. Right. Or just to have it separate from Blizzard and just have it stored with a PayPal account and, you know, not not have an, any actual intention of cashing it out or something. 
and just using that money, you know, to buy stuff in-game or whatever. In which case, you know, you could just do the Blizzard wallet, but I guess maybe, maybe he just doesn't want to support the real money auction house in any way. So, oh, yeah. okay. I, it's, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm still happy that Amatos will be playing the game and will enjoy the game, especially as a hardcore player. I, that's oh, yeah. something, something I will, I will not be doing. Sorry, I'm, I'm too much of a care bear. I just, <laughs> nope, Aww. I can't do it. But I'm, I'm definitely interested in finding out from Amatus like what he does in, in the hardcore part of mm-hmm. it and how, you know, how it works for him and how he enjoys it. Because, uh, you know, I mean, that's something I'd like to do at some point. I'm just like you. I'm, I feel like a care bear sometimes. I don't exactly want to go jumping into that yet <laughs> until I feel more comfortable with the classes. Yeah, I think with me, I mean, I've been in the beta a little bit longer than you guys, so I've had a little bit more time to play with the different classes, but I think the only thing keeping me from going hardcore is how much time I have to actually play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might actually do it. Like, it's not something I felt like doing with World of Warcraft, but with, with Diablo, this could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so bringing it back to the actual gameplay aspects of everything, I, I know that I, I kind of grieve as well the specialty builds, you know, and in, in having to commit to it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's, I also appreciate the fact that you can sw- switch things out so that you don't have to create multiple characters of the same character class and, you know, just dump that much more time, you know, building up that second character just for that second fun build that you have. Mm-hmm. Especially since you're limited to 10 characters in Diablo 3, which is, you know, totally different than Diablo 2. <laughs> exactly. I think a lot of players are more drawn to the the aspect of maybe micromanaging, but also having the flexibility to change that anytime without having to re-roll a new character. Mm-hmm. And I can understand that point because you know there there are parts of the game where I like to really micromanage. Like I remember Diablo 2, you know, I would honestly save skill points as long as I could without putting them in until I decided how I wanted to to do it. Yeah. But at, at the same time, I knew as soon as I put those in, I'm locked into it. And if I want to change that, i got to play another character. And that's going to be several hours before I get back to that point again. I, I think there's just a lot of people out there that would prefer to not have to do that. That would prefer to be able to kind of change it when they want to. But, you know, I mean, I understand Amatos' point, too. Because it's like, you know, you wanted to be, you know, create a certain build. And you want to be a master of that build. You don't want to keep flipping back and forth. And maybe that's some kind of a challenge that you put on yourself rather than have the game force that on you. That could still work, yeah. Yeah, because I, I know I know our friend Lantonio, which I, I promise Lantonio, we are going to get you interviewed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. But um I, I know Lantonio could definitely speak to this more than any of us could because uh you know, he's he's been playing Diablo two for uh, you know, really hardcore. Mm-hmm way more recently than all of us when the game started introducing all these extreme challenges into the game and how you pretty much have to go with a very specific style of build in order to be successful at soloing this stuff mm-hmm. it, it would kind of suck you know you, you get to you get to level 60 and you know you're doing great in hell and then you get into inferno and then you find that your build's not viable you know that would kind of suck exactly at least with the ability to swap stuff out, you can adjust if necessary. And 
it also allows you to experiment, you know? You don't have to feel like you have to lock into a specific build, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that yet. I mean, I appreciate both ways, and I, I think mainly as an older gamer now with children, I think I definitely prefer the flexibility of being able to swap stuff out. Mm -hmm. Because I, I can't just play for, you know, 20 hours at a time to, you know, get my character viable for hell difficulty, or in this case, Inferno. I don't know. Time will tell. I'm sure that there will still be plenty of challenges that will adjust, you know, that will require us to adjust our strategies to tackle. So, I mean, maybe Amatos can take the challenge onto himself and decide that, you know, to look at builds, plan it out ahead of time, and say, okay, I'm going to use this kind of a build. I'm going to go there and do this. And then the beauty of it is if he doesn't like it, he can always just change it if he wants. Or he can say, okay, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to this myself, and I'm going to kind of put on myself that I'm going to do this and lock myself into this kind of a build. And in other news, my wife just handed me a cookie, so let's, let's see how hey. this tastes. <laughs> it's a fun episode, people. <laughs> it's a Saturday night. <laughs> I'm sorry for talking with my mouth full. Oh, wonderful. And I was going to say, uh, Nevik, you're up next to read uh, the email from Steve. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Cookie and all, right? Mm hmm. Oh, wow. Hey, everybody. Oh, no. How about if I just read the one from Medros and let you finish eating your cookie for a minute? No, it's okay. Oh, I'm... Yeah? Okay. I've swallowed. So, Steve <laughs> sent us. Jiggles <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and Cookies, that's the name. <laughs> hey everybody still waiting for the beta like everyone else well not like us anymore but being from australia i'd say my chances are pretty much zero well that's oh. not true steve i know of three people from australia who do have beta access and you know they do this podcast called buying and equip and they did a diablo podcast which they haven't done in quite a while but that's neither here nor there but anyways i'm just saying it's possible going back to steve's email so, looks like it's release date for me, and in my waiting I've come across another game, Path of Exile, which I was lucky enough to get into the beta. Well, I got to say it's pretty good fun. Customization is great, combat's... uh... I... I'm not sure. I think it's a typo. Oh yeah. no, I, I think he means that it, it combat is like kind of like Diablo. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay. Combat's similar to Diablo. Tons of loot drops, and a very gritty feel to the game world. So I was wondering if any of you guys had hands-on time with this game in comparisons with the almighty D3. <laughs> hmm. Well, no, I, no I I've never even heard of Paths of it. No, so. this is the first I've heard of it. Yeah, No, I've heard of it myself, but I've not actually followed it very much. I, I mean, I do hear they're doing a, a good job with that game, though. I also hear that uh, Sweater's doing great. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Steve continues. I tried to get some feedback on the D3 forum, but it was pretty much fanboy flame fodder time. Anyway, one other thing I'd like to bring up is I have two WoW accounts, one for myself and one for my 11-year-old boy, connected to the same Battle.net account and signed up, one with the annual pass. No problems. Or, I'm sorry, I totally did not read that properly. And signed one up for the annual pass. No problems. Then thinking I really don't want my son messing in my D3, I upgraded the other account to the annual pass as well. Everything went well. It stated that 
D3 would be added to my account. Hit the purchase button and no extra D3. Seems you can't have two Diablo 3s registered to one Battle.net account. Mm. So with uh, so with help from Blizzard support, I managed to get my accounts separated so that I would have two copies of Diablo 3. But they, in quote parentheses, he puts Blizz, told me to consider myself lucky as usually there would be a service charge. So hope that helps other multi-account holders. Okay, that's it for me. See ya, Steve. I remember that the annual pass back had something where you could only get one free Diablo 3 per Battle.net account, and if you have multiple Battle.net accounts, well, sorry. But it's good to know, at least if you talk to um, Blizzard, they might be able to help you out. Potentially, yeah. I mean, personally for me, my son has his own account, and I have my own account, so when I did the annual pass for both of us, it just kind of, you know, what you would do with your own account. You'd get your own game, but in this case, I can see that it's a little bit different. I'm just glad they helped him out. That was good. Yeah, that was nice. I can't say that I'm all too surprised because Blizzard support is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. They'll do lots of different stuff. You can have them reorder the the number of uh, accounts that you have underneath your Battle.net account. Not that most of our listeners would have multiple Battle.net accounts underneath, or well, multiple WoW accounts underneath their Battle.net account, but but some might. Yeah, some might. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's great. I, I'm glad glad that both Steve and his son will be in Diablo three. Yay. Yay. <laughs> the more the better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's about the same age as my son, so I, I think it's pretty good. It should work out for them. Really enjoy it. Yeah, just keep an eye on just keep an eye on him. Make mm-hmm. make sure he's not rolling any puke doctors. Oh, oh man. No. <laughs> I see what happened with the you like the barbarian now, so <laughs> I, I see what, what you're talking about. There. I've always loved the barbarian. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I have no idea of what you're talking about. Me hating barbarians? What? That's oh, yeah. crazy. More cookies, please. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I will eat my cookie while Jen reads this email from Medros. Okay, so this is from Medros. He starts it with, Hello, Soul Stoners, which I love. Soul Stoners, that's just great. Soul Stoners. Soul Stoners, yeah. He goes on to say, Just wanted to write today, 12.09 a.m. on the 10th of March, that I think Blizzard will announce the D3 release date within two weeks, which is to say by the 24th, and that the date will be before May 15th. Thanks for taking my email. Cheers. And that's from Medros. I think Medros has uh, inside information, huh? <laughs> well, he probably got it from Razorbug, because we all know that Razorbug has a connection at, at Blizzard. Oh, here oh. we go. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, last episode we were talking about it a little bit, that um, just some of the information reading between the lines of what they've been saying themselves that uh, you know, I would expect that sometime soon we were going to hear it. So it makes sense. Especially with the announcement that the PvP arena is not going to make it at launch. Mm-hmm. So that won't hold it back, but it is kind of a bummer. But, you know, I got to wonder if part of the problem with the PvP, the PvP thing is um, I did a group game in mm-hmm. the beta, and I just jumped in with whoever was in it, you know, and the thing locked up. It totally froze. Completely froze. Like, I, you've probably seen this if you play World of Warcraft. Sometimes your character will freeze, but you can still, like, you can walk around, but all the other oh, characters yeah. look like they're frozen in place, and you can't really interact with anything. It was like that, and I couldn't mm. I couldn't exit out of the beta, and I had to, like, totally turn off my computer and, you know, try to oh, get wow. back. And um, so if that kind of bug is happening in sort of a group 
you know, situation where you've got random players all playing together for the same goal. Kind of got to wonder what happens with the arena under those circumstances. I encountered a bug, which I need to try to recreate. Mm -hmm. It was very similar to what you encountered, Jen, but it was different because I was in a single-player game. And I did a leap attack and accidentally hit the Z button at the same time to zoom in, which I didn't even know that you could do that. I didn't know you could do that. So I did a leap to I did a leap attack, hit accidentally hit Z. All of a sudden the camera zooms in and like basically I got desynced from the server. And then uh basically I could move around, I could go everywhere, but I couldn't interact with anything. I couldn't exit the game or anything. I had to alt F four out of the game. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I'm going to have to try to recreate that. See if it's tied together. Because they happen like, within split seconds of each other. And I have a feeling that it, that it just doing both things at the same time desynced me from the server. But I don't know. I don't know. I'll have, to, I'll have to play with that and see. Yeah, well, I was a beta tester once upon a time. Well, not a beta tester. I was an in-house tester. QA tester, but... Yeah, but uh, you know, I think Medros was right. We're, we're probably gonna hear something very soon, and so it'll be it'll be nice to know, nice to hear it. Do we all want to go out on a limb and, and put in our predictions, and and I'll put it in the show notes for us to for posterity. Oh, sounds good. I'm terrible at predictions. I barely know what day it is on a given day, much less you know how far away things are. But I would like it to appear before the end of May, cause my birthday's in May. <laughs> I'll say mm. that much. Happy well, today birthday, is uh, March 10th, Jen. It's a Saturday. Oh, okay. Um, thanks, <laughs> you know. I can't help it. I have, like... I do freelance writing. I make my own schedule. So I'm awake at strange hours. I'm sleeping at strange hours. I kind of lose track of days. We do know that there was a, a rumor that rumor that was squashed where Amazon, the Italy Amazon site, put up a release date of uh, April 17th, which then... You know, got kind of like swept under the rug and said, oops, our mm -hmm. bad. Sort of like Best Buy had that release date and went, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, never mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically, until we have a press release from Blizzard, I will not believe any other source, unless that source is somebody from inside of Blizzard. But it's still gonna, we're gonna hear all sorts of speculation anyway. Of course. My guess is going to be, as Flux would put it, June 32nd. Ah. <laughs> nice. No, no, that that's not my real guess because that that's just that's just silly. There we we know that there's not 32 days in June. Uh it's when hell freezes over. <laughs> I'm going to go on record saying May 29th. Sounds good. That is a Tuesday, right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh I don't know. Yes, actually. it is. It, yes, it is. May 29th is a Tuesday. Um, for me, I'm thinking it'd be funny if they announce it on March 13th. Okay, so next week. Yeah, they're going to announce it. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're also going to be talking all about other Blizzard Pandaria. stuff. Exactly, yeah, right. but that's only media. Anyways, and then um, going back to Diablo fans, how they had that uh, article talking about release games in the last several years for Blizzard. The earliest they release, they actually release it from the date they announced it was six weeks, and then every in several games were eight weeks. So that would put it at April twenty fourth. Okay. So that's what I'm gonna go with, April twenty fourth. And Jen, do do you want to partake in this? Uh, put going on record. Um. <laughs> 
or are you going to go with the June 32nd date? Yeah, that's that sounds excellent. I'll go with that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, June 32nd. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, cool. A- as I alluded to, or, well, Jen brought up, we, we do have an interview with Richard Knack, and he does have some books that are on Audible, which, uh, unfortunately, no Diablo books yet. Yeah, hopefully soon. soon. Especially that Kingdoms of Shadow or anything other than the Sin War because, you know, the Sin War, if they did that as an audiobook, you'd have to get all three because there's no way you could not get all three. No, you need. Exactly. Yeah. Each book ends making you want to know what happened next in the next one. Obviously, this is kind of a natural slide into our Audible ad, which sponsors the show. And you can go to audibletrial.com slash Diablo for a free 30-day trial, which is pretty amazing, especially considering all the extra stuff that you get with your membership, such as the uh, digital editions of the Wall Street Journal, and there's something else I can't remember. New York Times. New York Mm -hmm. Times. So you you get access to that for a whole 30 days, and you would also get access to all the specials and deals that they have for members for that full 30 days and then thereafter um you know i I didn't double check to make sure that their 7.95 per month for the first three months was still staying active with their i think it is now you're asking me i'm not good with numbers but it's either 7.95 or 7.49 or something it's about there it's about eight bucks but otherwise it's 14.95 a month thereafter Mm -hmm. and it's pretty awesome i I, I haven't signed up yet. <laughs> oh, no, I've been signed up for a little bit, and um, you get one credit per month uh, with your membership, along with they have, like, special deals where you can get different audiobooks um, at up to, like, 30 40 70% off the no- normal price just because you're a member. And that's pretty good. Yeah, that's really good, actually. I just finished listening to uh, World War Z by Max Brooks. Oh, that's such a good book. Yeah, and uh, in the audio form, that was it was fantastic. They had several actors who portrayed certain parts of uh, the storyline, and I'm lo- I'm looking forward to the movie. I guess that's supposed to be coming out on it as well. Yeah, I think at the end of the year is when the movie's coming out. I, I should have done this prior to to thinking of it right now. I I know that Audible is running a they're running a, I guess it would be a survey. I guess you'd call it where they, they want people's input on what actor or in basically who, who they would want to have um, narrate a book and what book that would be. Mm-hmm. Oh. And maybe they'll like, actually do it. Yeah, that would be fun. We, we should totally get all of our fans to submit. Who, who would be great to read, like, Kingdoms of Shadow? I, I mean, do, do you think you could tolerate Decker Kane? narrating an entire book. <laughs> that would be hard. It was hard to get Deckard Cain's voice out of my head when I read the book of Cain. You know, it just kept coming back. Yeah. I'll throw the uh, link to the tweet and therefore the... I don't know if you'd call it a contest, but w- whatever it is, um, we'll, we'll throw a link in our show notes. That way all of our listeners can you know, contribute to that and make it known that we want, we want a Diablo book. All of them, actually. We want all of them on Audible. <laughs> Sooner than later. Yeah. Exactly. And since I brought up Richard Knack, um, we we did an interview with Richard Knack last weekend. It, it was pretty awesome. It was a great time. Yeah, it was really cool. 
he's one of my favorite authors ever, so I was just like super psyched to be able to actually ask him questions about his books. And he gave us some great insight into uh, how he comes up with the stories that he writes and you know the kind of mood he's in and, and what he does uh, to prepare himself for the process of writing, uh, especially things in the Diablo universe. And that, it, it was great to get that kind of insight from a well-known author. It was, it was just awesome to talk to him. So you will now hear that interview. And on the other side, we will close out the show. So enjoy the, our interview with Richard Knack. And we are joined by none other than Richard Knack. You might know of him. You know, he's written a few books, you know, just a couple. <laughs> just a couple relating to Diablo. You know, just that whole Sin War trilogy and a, and a couple of other assorted Diablo books. How are you doing today, Richard? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Oh, that's a good question. I'll, I'll, <laughs> tell, you, I'll tell you afterwards. How about that? <laughs> I'm doing much better than I was last week, as we all know. Oh. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, the case of that flu flying around everywhere. Uh, we're, we think it was food poisoning. <clears throat> oh, no. Oh, that's yeah. no food fun at all. Fun. No. We brought Richard on to talk about his experiences with writing some of those Diablo books. And, Jen, how about you start us off with the first question? Okay, first of all, Richard, I've got to say I'm so excited to talk to you because you are one of my favorite authors ever. So I'm just going to go all fangirl right now. <laughs> <laughs> My first question for you is in regards to the Sinwar trilogy. I just finished reading it, and I was really impressed with how intricate all of the plots were woven together throughout all three of the books. And I was wondering, how did you keep track of all of those story bits and, and you know lines of it? Did you like use an outline? Did you use a timeline? How did you keep it all weaving together so well? When I worked with uh, Blizzard on the initial storyline, you know, they had some stuff that they wanted to deal with. And um, those uh, things that they mentioned uh, created other notions that, that I felt we had to deal with. And so uh, we, you know, we put together one major synopsis. Uh, this was through a you know, number of uh, back and forths. And uh, that gave me a good solid you know, for, uh, foundation upon which to work. Then as the, book as the writing developed in the first book and new things came up, you know, we had to do constant note taking. One thing always nice is that uh, at Blizzard there's a number of people um, who keep track of a lot of this stuff too and also keep track of the lore in general. And so when, we, when there were things that needed to be changed from the old lore for Diablo to update it for the, you know, the newer stuff they wanted to do, these people were always there to check on the material. As we got deeper and deeper in the story and more things be, became solidified, you know, getting into the second novel for instance, then we were able, you know, we would have a constant list of uh, what things, where everybody was, who was going where, and just, you know, we just tried to keep that list going and try to keep uh, everybody on it throughout the entire process. Uh, I like uh, twists and turns in the plots, you know, so that's always been fun. So I, I enjoyed that, and I try to keep a good track. But it, but with this with this particular series, it was really nice to have the people on the Blizzard end who were also keeping track of the different plot lines. Well, it wouldn't be quite as fun if everything were super straightforward. No, some people do like it really straightforward, but I think, you know, things happen in stories that will often demand it has to go a different direction, even if it's just a, a temporary direction or if it's an entirely different uh, resolution. So I, you know, I think that makes it more feel alive. Events are taking hold of the characters as they should in, in the real world. Diablo is, a, is part of a real world, isn't it? 
Uh, we all I, seem to think so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if if I would really actually want to live in the Diablo universe. That might be a little that might be a little scary. <laughs> but um, I have a question for you, Richard. Um, when you are writing, do you prefer to listen to any kind of music or even podcasts, or do you, when you write, is it completely quiet? What do you I, prefer to do? That's a good question. I cannot stand utter silence. I really can't. My my. I then I start then I start getting distracted by anything else that's around, you know. And it's a. Uh, I need a. I need a bit of a focus. I do usually listen to music. Either I, I go. There's several different directions. Uh, I guess there's some tied against them. I like uh, classical music, but usually of the dark, dramatic, either symphonic type, epic music. I guess you you know you'd say, mm-hmm. which actually is what a lot of these the, the uh, soundtracks and scores for the previous uh, Blizzard games. Uh, so I like to listen to those too, you know, the terrific mood music. And I like a lot of the Marshall Brass, like so I can imagine, you know, arms or characters going through a sinister landscape, so to speak. Uh, I'm also a, a big Danny Elfman fan, and so I like to listen to a lot of his moody stuff, uh, especially with the stuff he's done with Tim Burton at times. So I you know, this is Diablo sort of stuff, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my my follow up would be. Does your taste of music change when you're writing for something so dark and sinister like Diablo? I think it gets a little bit more moody. I think it definitely does. If I'm writing Warcraft, I like a little bit more of that epic battle sort of music, or that heroic, you know, that heroic fantasy sort of thing. So there, so there might be some dark. There's definitely some, you know, the shadowy parts in there, but it's more like, you know. Uh, maybe brass is like an army, you know, like some of the big, like some of the symphonies, or you know, have, or like some, or like again, like the Warcraft music has a lot of times, you know, depending on the situation. So, but yeah, it's more, uh, more epic battle sort of direction, something brassy perhaps. I like, I think of that as like, you know, armor and things like that. Whereas with the Diablo, it's it's more of a moody, shadowy um, thing. I guess where you get into more um, darker movie sort of uh, music for instance. If ever there would be a good soundtrack to the Diablo universe, I, I would definitely have to say Trent Reznor's of Nine Inch Nails. His, not orchestral, but his, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, all of his music that's, uh, that doesn't have lyrics would fit perfect. Yeah, that's, I could say orchestral myself, so yeah. It's, you know, yeah, like that's what I said, like, like uh, some of the darker movie scores and things like that. That would make sense to me also. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's very much, you need very much the right mood for a lot of this stuff. And again, if I don't have this going on, then I'm, my mind is going to be going off to, you know, to things like on, on different occasions because I'm, I'm always thinking of other stories in the back of my head too. So I mean, we're usually working on more than one project. So I want to make sure that characters from one story aren't going to show up in the, or the other story. <laughs> so it's nice to have things that help me focus. All of a sudden, Decker Kane is walk like walks up to Thrall and is like, "Wait, wait what's going on here? <laughs> Where am I? And how did I get here?" Yeah. Well, way way back uh, when I was doing Dragonlance, uh, which is more you know Lord of the Rings, Warcraft sort of world, I was also doing a short piece. I was testing out a short piece that involving a space station, and at one point I transposed the character's name, and so all of a sudden I had the had uh, the, this knight basically running around a space station. And I was, I was putting, oh, no. Picture the guy in full armor going around there saying, okay, I got to go change this back again. So. <laughs> oh, it could work. You, you could just ad- adapt some weird Twilight Zone <laughs> aspect into the story. Richard, to kind of bring it a little bit forward, um, have you had a chance to take a look at the Book of Cain? And what did you think of it? 
I got to look at it uh, when I was at last BlizzCon. Uh, I really like it. I really do. It's got some wonderful artwork, some wonderful uh, pieces about things in there. I think it's a nice, very good, uh, not just a good uh, reference book, but just good to have for anybody who enjoys the, the Diablo world, uh, more that sort of world in general. I was pleased. I saw some elements of uh, stuff that I had done in there. I think it's really nicely done. I, I, I give applause to both the people at the company and the people at Blizzard who are involved in it. Um, I think it's uh, it's definitely a good lead off to uh, Diablo three coming. The artwork is always fantastic. I, I think you know that they will put in those things. A certain Papa Kangaroo insists that the Book of Cain should come in the collector's edition. That would be nice. Yeah. I think it's worthy of that. They should do a special edition. I'm sure. I'm sure that a lot of people would do it. Would would pick it up. I think it's also been a, a great way to introduce some people to some of your work as too, Richard, going back to the Sin War trilogy and referencing a lot of your work throughout the Book of Cain. So. That definitely would appeal to me, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's very nice to, uh, to know uh, that so much has been used as the, as the foundation for what's coming in there. I mean, you know, one of the first pictures that, uh, uh, images that they uh, revealed was uh, the lost city of Yura. You know, mm-hmm. they showed an image of that one, you know, from, from Kingdom of Shadow. And I thought that was nice to, to see that in there. And then, of course, the Sin War, which is a lot of the background, you know, that'll help develop, you know, with what's going on in Diablo 3, you know, to see all that put in place, uh, you know, as a writer, it's fantastic to become more and more a part of, of uh, something like this. So just as it was with Warcraft, and to see so many things I've done become elements of that world. That's got to be really exciting to have all of that come in. Going back to the Sin War, which we've kind of been referencing throughout this, I just finished reading it for the second time not too long ago, and without revealing any spoilers, I know that there are some characters who survive the Sin War in one way or another, and I was wondering if you had any plans for any of those characters to continue on, like into a new story or a new adventure. Well, the Sin War is, I guess you could say, almost a historical thing. So, I mean, obviously, they lived a long time ago, most, all of them. There's nothing that I have on tap, but they've always left, we've always left something open in case there's a reason to do these characters. I know they're going, uh, they want to go a certain direction with with things. And if that direction would uh, would demand uh, dealing with some of the stuff I've done, I'm sure that we would be discussing something on there. Um, I know that they've got a book by uh, Nate Kenyon uh, coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll have some interesting stuff in there. I've not had a chance to look at it. But uh, if they come back to me uh, and ask me to do something in the Diablo world, I would be more than happy to, uh, even if it's some new characters. But if they if they find a reason to bring back... Uh, obviously, Tra, uh, Tragul is not, can be around forever. <laughs> uh, True, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, but, you know, I, there, yeah, there, is a, there is at least one character who I think there could be more told about him. I'm not going to say who it is. I think you might know. He, uh, uh, since, yeah, I think I know who it is. I hope yeah, we're on the same track with that, yeah. Obviously, a lot of what we wanted to tell, we told in that story. So if, if, I, if I do not get to go back to those characters, I feel very satisfied with um, the outcome for them. I'm sure most of our listeners are avid gamers, and they would be sorely disappointed if we didn't ask this question. I understand, Richard, you, you do play a little bit of World of War. World of Warcraft, but have you played any of the Diablo games? Oh, sure. I mean, 
I, of course, I'm a regular Warcraft player. Um, I can't get on as often as I'd like to. I mean, I play, I play, you know, I like to play Worgen right now, for instance. Uh, but in terms of Diablo, yeah, I, uh, when I came in, they uh, they gave me um, the games that were available. Uh, I think Diablo 2 had just come out or was about to come out, and so yeah, I I played. Uh, I played Diablo 2 uh, quite a bit, uh, you know, because I had, well, on, one, on the one hand, I had to play it you know, <laughs> in order to uh, work on the books. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, this is cool. See, I, I, it, it, um, Blizzard has covered uh, two of the big aspects that I like. Um, I like that uh, big uh, Tolkienist sort of epic uh, fantasy like Warcraft. But I also like that shadowy, questy sort of uh, uh, moody, you know, moody thing like Diablo is. So I've gotten to play in the two in two kinds of worlds I really like. I played Diablo 2 for quite a while, and uh, I've been uh, eagerly looking at, uh, at a lot of the images and stuff from Diablo 3. I've been working on a lot of other projects and stuff, there, so I haven't been able to see what, they, what they've done in the last couple of uh, months, but uh, I'm looking forward to Diablo 3 as much as just about anybody. What kind of characters did you play in Diablo 2, and or what classes are you looking forward to in Diablo 3? I'm not quite sure which ones. I have, I'm not looking for anyone in particular in Diablo three. Um, I want I want to see more how they how they play out a little bit before I just I settle on any of. I mean, there's a number of good ones. I'm not even going to try to go into ones I like there. In terms of older stuff, well, you know, obviously I like obviously I liked the necromancer types in the earlier stuff because I wrote about them in more than one book. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> So any, anything that anything magical leading in that direction, you can you can assume that I'm going to like in Diablo three. We'll just put it that way. I'm really glad to hear that you're not a barbarian plane. You know, it's it's fun to do the the hack and slash, so to speak, and they can be very complex characters and situations. I just always like to to that magical element, so I like doing that. Doesn't mean I don't like a character who can use a weapon too. I mean, it's nice to be able to use a weapon on occasion too. So I'm happy when characters can have have a little of both themselves. So. But um, no, I, I often like. I like the uh, I like the the dark shadowy necromancer types, um, but I say anything magical you'll probably see me try out at one point or another. Yeah, well, we all know that the sorceress is by far the best class ever created. It's nice. It's nice. There's some there's some there's some, <laughs> there's some very there's some good stuff to be said for some of the other ones in there too. I'm not gonna. I, that's why I want, I want to remain fair on it until I've gotten actually a chance to go run through all of them. That's okay. You can be fair. You see, I'm the biased one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's other classes other than sorcerers. Oh. <laughs> Not for Nevik. Not for Having having done a little bit of work with with, with uh, sorceress and sorcerer type characters in uh, in the novels, uh, I, I admit that's one I'm looking forward to playing. They usually cause the bad stuff to happen. Yeah, yeah they're misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> They're always, they're always misunderstood. Characters always misunderstood. So. <laughs> Richard, uh, I've got a question for you about. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who like to write fan fiction, or they like to write their own stories. Uh, it, like with regard to the Diablo universe, what advice would you give to writers who want to create a story that takes place within this Diablo universe? Well, I mean, if it's for your own consumption, you know, I, you're, you're pretty much able to go any way you want to. If you're writing fan fiction, I usually like to try to stay, uh, you know, somewhat true to the world, and, and then you know, add the elements I think that fit into the world. Or if they don't fit in that world, why why are they in that world? Then, if there's if there's a person who's trying to uh, eventually do some writing for Diablo, you know, it's just 
Uh, the best thing is try to stay true um, to what uh, Blizzard is doing with it. Uh, with, you know, within reason of destroying some of your little bit elements there. You know, they've been doing contests, writing contests in the past. With what, uh, so if anybody's trying to ever get into doing Diablo writing, the best way is to follow if they do any Diablo contests in that sort of regard. Uh, in terms of fan fiction, again, if it's between yourself and maybe your friends and stuff there, you know, that's fine. But uh, always remember, um, you know, Diablo belongs to Blizzard. So, mm -hmm. but there's their creation. So by rights, um, try and, you know, don't, don't create your own uh, Diablo fan site and, you know, <laughs> and, and, and post all these stories and, and try and write something because, you know, it's um, then you're getting into a gray area legally. <laughs> of course, they, they got to watch out for. It. But otherwise, you know, if you you know if you want to pass on your writing to each other and stuff like that, you know, I don't foresee that as a problem, and uh, it helps people enjoy the world a little bit more. You know, uh, private is fine. You know, if you try and do anything beyond that, um, then you have to uh, double check. I've I've known a couple of people who've done things with Warcraft that that way. And one of them actually uh, emailed about what was safe to do to Blizzard, and was uh, was told by someone he was a military person, so they had, they had knew his background and stuff there. But anyways, uh, he, they told him what was the right way. I mean, I can't say he always going to get answers from him, but he was able to. So, but like I said, I, I've always I've always enjoyed playing in other people's world. I've been fortunate enough to do it professionally, you know. Mm -hmm. So I have so if people want to enjoy playing in, in those worlds, you know, by all means, you know. I was a fan before I was a writer, so who knows? Eventually, uh, at least at the very least, it might help you hone your writing skills and become a, a Diablo professional writer someday. I have another question based on characters. Going beyond the Sin War, all of the books of the Diablo series, if you could pull any character from any of those books, whether it's ones that you've written or ones that someone else has written, and like drop them in a new adventure, which character would you pick, and why would you choose that one, and what would you like to do with him or her? Oh, that's just too easy for me. That would be Zale. Uh, I like. I yeah, thought I like, so. I like it. Of course, that means I have to pull in Humber too. Of course, you know. So, so I'm kind of getting two characters for one there. But, yeah. Uh, well, they they fit so nicely though. You do need both. Yeah. So, uh, no, Zale definitely would. Be, I enjoy it, and that's why when I asked me if I could do, would do an, another novel, uh, that's why I was happy to throw him in Moon of the Spider. I would like to see something else with him if I could do that, and. Uh, um, I, they probably aren't going to go in that direction anytime soon, but uh, yeah, he has a good fan base. I've discovered, and uh, yeah, he would be—he'd be, he'd be uh, my, my obvious choice. I think most of the other characters—they've—they've they've done their piece, you know. Maybe, maybe the one we mentioned at the end of the Sin War, but that leads the same direction again. That's a great choice, though, Zale. I think there'd be a lot of people that would be more than happy to pick up another book with Zale in it. So I have another question: the Diablo universe is extremely gruesome and dark and foreboding and everything as a writer what really? is it like to tap into that darkness <laughs> and after writing a book of such grotesqueness what what do you do to reacclimate with the world well i go read harry potter no uh <laughs> <laughs> that's cruel of me after working on the diablo stuff um fortunately i'm usually in working on something else too so that's usually not quite the same direction. So one, one thing is I'm able to pour myself into that project, which helps me already get into a, a different level of darkness, maybe. And in the meantime, you know, I'll also go, I step out into the light to see the world, you know. Uh, I, I, do, I you know, do the normal things. I read other things. I enjoy mysteries. 
I guess it's still a little bit dark, but maybe not as dark as Diablo. You know, I, I uh, talk to my friends, go and do things with them, and just just you know, just go through life again. Uh, but like I said, the biggest thing is I usually have another project going, and it's usually not quite the same. Uh, so that that enables me to go directly into a different world that uh, you know scatters away some of the shadows of Diablo. And uh, again, you know, reading different things and just going out in the sunlight and finding out I don't burn when the sunlight comes on me. <laughs> well, I, I guess it would be good to have a lifeline to pull you out of that darkness. Have there ever been any moments where you've found yourself rather, for lack of a better word, emo while writing a Diablo book? No, fortunately, I've always been able to keep myself uh, separate enough that you know that I don't get drawn into the point where I have trouble with other things. <laughs> no, I um, I enjoy playing these worlds. I enjoy the depth of these worlds. Um, they're very much alive in certain ways to me. But um, I've always been able to because of my other other stuff I do and, and my attitude in general. I've never I've never gotten myself so caught up in it. That, um, I risk getting rather Edgar Allan Poe-ish. So no, I I've uh, no, I'm I have I have enough beat I have enough beat attitude toward life in general, so that's great. Richard, my uh, son has been really getting involved. He's at that age around 10 where he's get really into reading books and um, he read a lot of things with StarCraft and some stuff with Warcraft and um, uh, he enjoyed Wolfheart. So oh, uh, but he wanted me to ask you a question directly and he said with regards to Diablo, what was the most challenging part for you of writing Diablo? The most challenging parts? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Well, trying to stay true to the world, well, it would be a big one, whilst, well, giving it the new aspects that the Blizzard asked of me. There's always that fine line when you're working in other people's worlds, especially one that's already established. You know, you're not going to please everybody uh, if you're working when you're doing this sort of stuff. But I plan to please the vast majority of people. I'm often asked to uh, expand on things that have, that have been done. And that means changes in things that have been around. Now, because, you know, I'll give you an example Warcraft, World of Warcraft is a heck of a lot different from, from Orcs and Humans. And uh, Diablo 2 is a heck of a lot different. You're already getting away from Diablo, the original one. As that world expands, you have to correct some of the history, unfortunately, and you have to uh, stretch you know, the history into more detail. And so that's, that's the, one of the biggest things, is always trying to do that, that walk that fine line. And um, you know, ev everything has been approved and, and, uh, by Blizzard heartily, and in fact, because some of the things I wrote in there, they've said, oh, let's go further on that one, which pleases me that they were very so happy with it. You know, and uh, we know that uh, you know there's going to be people who don't like some of the changes, but overall everybody's enjoyed uh, what we've done, and that 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 is very that makes me very happy. But uh, that's the thing, you know, trying to stay true to the world as uh, Blizzard has created it, but still expand that world so there can be more that we can do with it. And going from that, since you've written, you've written in you know the Warcraft universe, not just in Diablo, but you've written you know you've written a lot of Warcraft books too. With the World of Warcraft game, it's you know it's had all these expansions, expansions and advances with patches and changes that are constantly going on. But with Diablo, it's only got you know so far two games that have been completely released that have story in them, and, and you know 
Medros was wondering, what's it like to write in Sanctuary, which is kind of, you know, staying the same as opposed to the ever-changing world of Azeroth? I think it fits those two worlds as they have been so far, because uh, Sanctuary is, is seems to be much more of a, you know, it's a world that, that's focused around one, around a few certain elements. And so the fact that it hasn't gone off into a, a score of different directions like Warcraft, which is a more... If you compare the two worlds, let's face it, Sanctuary is not quite as um, cheerful and vibrant as uh, Azeroth is. That's for sure. What, what <laughs> are you talking about? The original much... Diablo 3 logo had rainbows and unicorns and everything. Oh my. <laughs> oh no. And I gotta tell you, the story about those unicorns is, is god-awful, you know, horrible. <laughs> just, the, the blood, <laughs> the pink blood. <laughs> oh, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, oh, all, all I can think about is Pepto Bismol now. <laughs> well, when I think of some of those unicorn cartoons, that's what I would think. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, with 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 the Sanctuary, this is a, a, a world that has thus far had a focus on a particular destiny, so to speak, whereas um, Azeroth has a multifaceted uh, destiny, I'd have to say. I think Diablo is going to be spreading a little bit more in different directions while still maintaining that overall arc about, you know, this is how Sanctuary came to be. This is what's happening in it. This is what will be. And then, you know, that's up to you know, the people of Blizzard how they're going to do that, in my opinion. So I'm not, so I can see all the growth in, in the Warcraft stuff. I wish there had been more things to play in, in Diablo. Uh, I know that part of it was also because Warcraft demanded a lot of attention, but I think that in some ways it actually kept the uh, mood of the, that world true until they could focus properly on Diablo so that they can bring the culmination to what they want to do with, uh, with the overall arc and then see where they want to go from there should they do that. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it makes sense to me. <laughs> So, Richard, we have a listener submitted question from Kevin, and he wants to know, how did you get started writing for the Diablo series? I know that you wrote Day of the Dragon, that you were approached by uh, Blizzard for Day of the Dragon, and then shortly thereafter you wrote your first book for the Diablo series, which was uh, The Legacy of Blood. How did that come to, how did that come to pass? Well, they, they came pretty much simultaneously. Um, I was in California at the time. Ironically, I didn't get to see anybody from Blizzard Week, but I was called from New York. When they were uh, deciding about authors for Warcraft, I was part. I was uh, apparently on the top of a very short list, which was nice to hear from them. They asked me if I would be willing to do a novel uh, for Warcraft. And I had, uh, and of course, I heard, I knew of the game, uh, and I was interested in doing novels on them. And so I said, yeah, I was very much interested. And uh, even as we were uh, gearing up to uh, on the contracting, they also uh, said that they're doing they're doing novels based on their other property, Diablo. And they told me, you know, we talked about that, and you know, so as I said, I, these are the best of both worlds for me in terms of my reading. I like those things, and and they basically asked if I would do a novel in that series too. I mean, who am I to turn that down? <laughs> so, right. so, so, um, you know, it was, it was. I was able to go the two directions I love to go in terms of fantasy writing. You know, the epic fantasy with the big battles and stuff. You know, with stuff there and dragons stuff there, and then the dark, you know, quest sort of stuff there. It was fun because it gave me it gave me a nice contrast going from one to the other, 
Like I said, they just came, came about simultaneously. They decided they wanted me to write something in both worlds. Uh, very simple answer. You know, that, that, that's what happened. Did you understand what you were getting into with the Diablo universe? <laughs> or, did, or was that something that you, you were actually excited about? Like, oh my goodness, excited. I get to write something. I was excited about it because I liked uh, the moodiness. I, you know, like I said, I, I latched on to certain elements right away. You know? so like, like the, obviously, the Necromancers, I keep going back to that one. So. Oh. But, uh, but uh, no, I, enjoy, I was happy to jump into that one, definitely. I mentioned earlier that my son was reading the Wolfheart book and um, again thank you for uh, writing that that was fantastic and sure. also that was put into audiobook form and I think uh, I remember you talking with Medros and Shade a little bit about that and you liked how that turned out mm-hmm. excellent uh, excellent narrator which of the Diablo books that you've written so far uh, would you like to have that kind of same audio treatment and who do you think would be perfect to narrate that Oh, that, that's a tough one. But um, uh, obviously, the Sin World would make a lot of sense to me with everything going on. Um, although I'm partial to any, either of the stories with uh, with uh, Zale in them, um, it's it's hard to pick one there. But I guess I guess uh, the Sin World would make some sense if they would do all three books. Obviously, just because mm-hmm. of the foundation it makes. Otherwise, any Zale story. Uh, if I had to pick one, I, to be honest, if it's either someone associated with the game in terms of the voices. Or it would have to be Scott Brick, who did, I think I think Scott Brick did an excellent job on the Warcraft, and I wouldn't be surprised if he could do a really good job on a Diablo novel. I wouldn't be surprised. He's a very he's he's a highly trained professional. He's done a, a high variety of uh, stories and you know, the novels. Uh, he's very versatile. Oh, that sounds great. Thank you, Richard, for taking the time to sit down with us and have us ask you all kinds of questions and learn about your process and find out that you actually do have a really dark side to you <laughs> it, it's, and it doesn't always just show up in, in my uh, um, my Diablo work I mean yeah, I've written some 40 something novels including several of my own um, you know if, you, if people want to see a little more modern darkness you know I've written a couple novels called uh, King of the Grey and Frostwing and uh, and more more on the epic on, on the traditional fantasy side I've got a novel called Dragon Mound right now which uh is more shadowy than my usual stuff there. It's not, you know, maybe not quite Diablo, but it's definitely shadowy. You know, when I say mound, you know, I'm referring to the burial type. So, uh, mm. yeah, so I mean, people might want to check out Dragon Mounds, you know, that uh, in the meantime, I'm looking forward to Diablo 3 like everyone else. Some of our listeners may or may not be too familiar with all of your work. Where is the best place that they could go to, at a glance, see all of your work and a great stepping off point to start reading some of your stuff? Uh, best place is my website, richardanack.com. Um, I personally try to update it myself because I'm just one of those kind of people, so it's going to be a little behind usually. But uh, I feel like you know it's more of a keeps me more in contact with the people who enjoy reading my work, uh, and uh, they can see all they can get to see a list of everything I've written, and uh, they can see my own list about my own series, The Dragon Realm, and uh, the, the stuff I've done in terms of Warcraft and Diablo. Uh, that's you know that's the best place to go, richardanack.com. I love the alliteration of your uh, of your blog, Nax Knoll. That's cool. I couldn't resist that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Richard. It's been an awesome experience getting to talk to you. It was a great pleasure. I appreciate it. Uh, be happy to come back sometime. Awesome. Well, thank we, you very much. Richard. We will hold you to that. Okay. We'll be very happy to have you come back sometime. <laughs> exactly. If you have any questions, you know how to contact me. This was our interview with Richard Nack and. Uh, he can also be found on Twitter at 
Richard A. Knack. So, all right. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we wanted to thank Richard Knack for sitting down with us. You know, it was, we, we had a great time, as I'm sure everybody will attest to, you know, from listening to that interview. It was a great time. So thank you, Richard. We're, we're going to have you back on the show. I guarantee it. Thank you, Richard. Especially after after it is announced that you're working on a Diablo book, I'm sure. He's working on something. We, we know. We, we could tell. We could tell. We don't have inside information. but No, we, we don't have any inside information or anything like that. But, you know, he's written so many books in the Diablo universe. you got to figure maybe there's another one or two coming eventually. I know. It, it'll be great to have him back in the series. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this episode's going to be pretty long. Sorry, people, if you're used to our, you know, our shows or whatever. This is going to run a little bit longer than that, but that's fine. You know, a little more of us is, is all right, right? Oh, exactly. <laughs> Lots more of us is always good. Us in your ear holes is a good thing. But, uh... Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Nevik said. <laughs> <laughs> So, thank you everyone for listening to episode 11 of the Shattered Soulstone podcast, which is a Dawn Forge production. And we would love to thank Medros because he's so awesome and he got us all beta keys. Yay, Medros! <laughs> yep. And he hosts our show. So, th- you know, that's also why he's awesome or something. Yeah. But you can read our show blog or listen to the show archives at shatteredsoulstone.com. You can find us on Twitter. The show account is Shattered Stone. I am Nevik James. Brasia is Brasia Priest. And Jen is Queen of Haiku. Hey, I didn't do it for the second week in a row. You got it right. Yeah, good job. We have a presence on Facebook and Google, so you can look us up there. We cannot do this show without you, so send in your contributions, questions, and feedback to show at ShatteredSoulStone.com. And until next time, for Jen, for Brasia, and for myself... You will find us eating cookies. Mmm, cookies. Fresh cookies. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> <laughs>